You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. So I feel left out. I don't know exactly how to start this show uh, after the weekend. The big things that happened over the weekend, of course, we've got some NBA playoff talk that we can have serve as our con- as our content. But a lot of people want to hear about Game of Thrones and also Endgame. And one, I can't talk about either one of those. I am not a huge fan of Game of Thrones. In fact, I've never seen an episode. I've also, I've watched a couple of Avengers movies before. But it's not something that I absolutely have to go take care of. And you're the same way with Avengers, correct, Doug? I've seen several of the movies, but I don't know. I don't feel that. You're not a superhero geek boy, right? Like, you're not all into it. Well, I mean, I look, I love Spider-Man. I love certain aspects of comic book. Tobey uh, Maguire, Spider-Man. Comic right? book lore. No, I wasn't a big fan of Tobey. You're Andrew Garfield? I'm Andrew Garfield. Wow, that's a hot take. Well, it's because I grew up with the 90s cartoon Spider-Man, Fox Saturday Morning's cartoon Spider-Man, and he was a kind of a sarcastic bleephole. And I love Spider-Man as a sarcastic bleephole, and I don't feel like Toby ever got there. And I thought Spider-Man 2 was one of the worst movies I've ever seen, apart from wow. comic book movies. I thought it was just one of the, the silliest movies I've ever seen in general, and that's a hot take because so many people love that movie. But I really felt like Garfield nailed that 90s cartoon Spider-Man for me. Yeah, Garfield is not somebody I ever hear discuss that that's their favorite Spider-Man. It's usually all Tobey Maguire. I'm glad that we got to this hot take i'm glad that we took a different road here but that's interesting you do know a little bit about game of thrones yeah so you I watched, have a charlotte hornets connection yeah well i watched a few seasons of game of thrones i got through the red wedding and it just became too dark for me too nihilistic too pointless for me it, it started to resemble what's actually happening in in the world and that's not what I look for in my escapism. I don't look for a, a complete reflection of the darkness and unfairness that is actual life. And so I, I just gave up on it. I just thought it was it was too dark, too nihilistic, and I, I just wanted to do better things with, with my time. But you know, but we all know, and we can talk about TV shows as if they're, even though they're spoilers, right? Like you can't talk about Endgame even if we did see it, but because it's a TV show, we can talk. Those are the rules. Am I abiding by the rules here? We can talk about the TV show. I think so. And I think, listen, if you are a Game of Thrones fan and you have not seen last night's episode, probably a good idea to pause right now because I'm going to make a connection between the Game of Thrones series and the Charlotte Hornets that is going to spoil some of what happened last night. So fair warning given. I have kept up with the series because I think it's a technical feat. Some of the battle scenes that they do, the what what they're able to do with special effects, I think is is game changing for my industry. I'm in the you know film TV production industry, so I keep up with it on that level. And so I have to keep up with what's going on with certain characters. I just don't watch week to week. Okay, so I heard last night that the Night King, the white, the leader of the the undead, the White Walkers died in a very uh, anticlimactic way, was killed by a substantial character in Arya, but died in a very anticlimactic way. And it got me to thinking, like, the so when the Night King died, all of his army of undead, because his army is, is not made up of people who can exist on their own, it's made up of people who he has brought back from the dead. And so when the Night King dies, 
all of his army apparently died as well because his army was him. And it got me to thinking, wait a minute, is the (laughs) Night King Kimba Walker? (laughs) Is the Night King, the powerful Night King who has really put this entire army on his back, Kimba Walker, and is Arya, by killing him, a well-executed trap? Arya is a dime a dozen in real life. He's it's, a well no Arya is the well executed blitz that so many teams have put on Kemba and when you do that you neutralize the the entire team. You can imagine Marvin Williams and and Nick Batum and Jeremy Lamb all just completely disappearing as soon as as soon as Kemba is stabbed. Jeremy Lamb, Nick Batum, they all fall to the ground. That's it. I really, I feel like I love this connect. <laughs> I may have some of the details wrong because I'll admit I did not even watch last night's episode. I'm just catching up with it, just sort of through Twitter and social We're media. We're trying our best. I'll go back and watch some of these battle scenes, but I'm done with Game of Thrones. Other than to make Kimba Walker comparisons. <laughs> this is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Lockdown Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail and Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson LOH. So we'll go with a player evaluation today. It's going to be Marvin Williams up next. We also have a Bleacher Report article to get to, and we'll talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs, discuss whether the officials really got in the way of the Houston Rockets winning that game one, and also the Kimba Walker article that does talk about the do's and the don'ts, the benefits and the pros, the cons of allowing Kimba Walker to walk if you are the Charlotte Hornets. So let's look at Marvin Williams first. The A block fire. It's all going to be about Marvin Williams. Past, present, future. Let's go to the past real quick with Marvin coming over to this team. It's been five years for Marvin as a Charlotte Hornet now. How crazy is that? I don't know about if it feels like that to you. It feels like he's not been a part of this team for five years. That's a long time. It definitely feels like that for me. It feels like that for a lot of these players. It feels even longer to me. I just think that it's unusual how long the Hornets have kept this core together. And probably, not even probably, we know, or at least we've gotten reports, that they've kept this core together because they kind of had to, right? Because they could not get rid of the contracts that they've given to Marvin Williams, to Nick Batum, to Cody Zeller, to Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. So they've been sort of forced to keep this core together longer, unusually long for any NBA franchise. The transformation of Marvin Williams is interesting because you go to that second year in Utah. He played 66 games overall in his second year in Utah. He was at age 27. And this is when he starts to make that transformation. It kind of happens right as he gets to the Charlotte Hornets. But the second year in Utah, he takes the most three-point attempts per game that we had seen him take to the to that point in his career. It goes from 2.3 his first year in Utah to three and, his, three and a half his second year in Utah. First year in Charlotte, he's about the same, 3.4 three-pointers per game. And then it goes to 4.7, 4.7. Last year at only 3.9, and we can remember him taking a little bit less of a role on the offensive end. And then Borrego comes in, and he ups it to 5.1. And this is something that Marvin Williams has become. He's been your 3 and D guy almost, your good team defender, and just a guy that is ready for the spot-up tray. 
you look to the corner for a long time, maybe even finished the regular season as the guy that led the NBA in field goal percentage from the corner three spot. I think it might have been the right, if you're looking at the court, it might have been the right corner three that he was so successful at. Maybe you have the zones, right? Marvin Williams was the best at the corner three, I think from the right spot, if I'm not mistaken. But Marvin, was some. that was him, right? It's a good team defender, not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's going to hit his three-point baskets, and every once in a while he'll give you a game where he's able to get close to 20 points. We can look this season. The best game that he had was a 30-point contest against the Washington Wizards. And, Doug, they needed every single bit of it. They milked Marvin for every offensive production point that he had. And sure enough, it was good enough for a victory over Washington, a team that at the time, Washington was even flirting of even passing the Charlotte Hornets in the standings at that point before they unleashed the young guns and they actually started winning some games. But Marvin... You've seen him transform throughout his career here in Charlotte and a nice player. We'll talk about his future in a minute. Well, yeah, he's transformed even in the 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 five years that he's been with Charlotte because you remember Walker when they they did make that playoff run several years ago, they would run plays for Marvin Williams to get him going towards the rim, right? They used to run that sort of decoy pick and roll play where where he would, you know, sort of try to set the pick but then flash down to the post and they would throw it into him. So they were doing some things to try to get him baskets at the at the rim. Now, I mean, he's exclusively your your spot up catch and shoot guy. He's good for your two highlight dunks of the year. Yeah, he'll give you a couple. Old man dunks, yeah. But they're awesome. Right. They're fantastic. And he tries to turn back the clock a little bit, but he gives you about one or two each year. Well, and he gave I, us a couple I this feel season. like he's even trying to cut back on that because <laughs> a, a few times last season, I thought he almost hurt himself. Somebody had to go to him and be like, hey, man, I just uh, give, it, give up the ghost, man. You look at his effective field goal percentage, and it's been good ever since he got to Charlotte. He actually posted his third highest effective field goal percentage throughout his career. He just did that this season. You look at his career's transformed the style of play as we talked about. He had the most points of his Charlotte career. I didn't even say that. It was the most points of his Charlotte career playing against the Washington Wizards this time. And just looking at his future, Doug, you know, it's somebody that made no bones about it. He was going to pick up his player option immediately. Once those exit interviews were here, he didn't tail us along a little bit, even like Bismack Biombo did for a week or so. Marvin told you, I will be picking up this player option. I'm going to take my double-digit million to the bank, and I'll be playing for one more season. But Sam Purley wrote an article on Hornets.com looking at Marvin, and he dropped this just last week. I'll read a couple paragraphs from it. He says, quote, It's such a blessing, said Williams on April 11th when asked about playing a decade and a half in the league. 15 seasons for Marvin Williams. I don't know if you paid much attention to the Cleveland game, but to see Channing Fry retire, you know, he and I came in together. I remember he hosted me on my visit to Arizona. It was really kind of cool to see him go out the way he did and the reception that he got from the fans in Cleveland. He followed up with, obviously, it didn't make me think about my own personal career a little bit. Or, I'm sorry. He said, obviously, it did make me think about my own personal career a little bit. I want to play as long as I can possibly do it, but only God knows. Lord willing, I continue to stay healthy. I'm always going to work as hard as I can to keep myself healthy, and we'll see where it goes from there. I'm looking forward to next year being number 15. So now we're talking about retirement for Marvin. I think maybe you could see before he gets to Channing Fry level where he's completely immobile on the other side, Channing a little taller, just way less mobile than what Marvin is. Marvin's actually still a player that can help you win good uh, some basketball games. And he's still decent enough to go out there. But you wonder, does he want to retire maybe after this contract is up? Because there's not going to be a whole lot of money made after this. 
And does he want to hang him up? You know, you wonder if it's just one more season or if he wants to continue, if he wants to continue to be on, uh, you know, keep getting that contract. You always wonder what what motivates certain players. I talk a lot about this when we were discussing Kyrie Irving going to Boston because he wanted to be a number one. You know, a lot of people were confused, like, why not stay with LeBron, be a number two and win a bunch of championships? But you just never know what motivates certain players. I was listening to an interview this morning with Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad fame, and he said in this interview that his greatest achievement was not Breaking Bad. It was not becoming Walter White and and getting all the acclaim and fame that came from that. It was becoming a working actor. And when he was 25, being able to live off of the money that he made from then being a, a stage actor. And I think that might be close to what Marvin's motivations are. It's it's to be in the league for as long as possible, to be a professional, to be a to be helpful to a team uh, on the court, but also in the locker room. And I think he's just a player that loves the game of basketball and is not, I mean, I'm sure he loves to win and is competitive. And But some guys I just think aren't motivated by, oh, I got to get to a championship team. I got to get my rings. No, I just think he loves being a professional basketball player and will do so as long as his body allows him to. Is that the same the same thing that Vince Carter values by going to the Sacramento Kings, by going to the Atlanta Hawks. Is this Marvin? Is it something about that Carolina blue that just makes you love the game more so and being a contributor rather than thirsty for rings? You know, Vince Carter might be the Night King. He might be playing when <laughs> all that's left is him and no, a, bunch he's, of, he's, he's a bunch a, of undead players. He's a Night King soldier. <laughs> he's somebody <laughs> he's that has walker. been resurrected. <laughs> you can't you can't kill him only with this type of steel that it takes to kill Valerian. the Night King. Yes, it's only that that is able to kill Vince Carter. We appreciate you joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. If you're in your car a lot or just driving to work, if you're driving the kids around, if you have a smart device in your car, and more and more of you do now, tell your smart device to play Lockdown Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say play Lockdown Hornets and make drive time LOH time. We'll be back with the Bleacher Report article on Kimba Walker right after the break. This is Locked on Hornets. Charlotte, How strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. You can I wonder if there's mind. anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Please listen carefully. You're on Weitzman of Bleacher Report. Wrote about the Kimba Walker free agent paradox. And he's got a couple of things in there about getting some information from some front office execs. Insider info. He's got some insider info for us. And the funny thing about them promoting it, you go to their Twitter page and it's got the picture of Kimba Walker. It's got the quote beside it. And one of the quotes is, they're bleeped either way. And then under it, it says <laughs> All right. how three different NBA front office people describe the situation with Kimba Walker being here with the Hornets. And of course, either way, being letting him walk or signing him to a max or potentially a super max deal. Bleeped they're, either way. They're bleeped either way. Three people, apparently three front office execs said they're bleeped either way. Do you see it that way? <laughs> they're all from the Charlotte Hornets. Yes. They, they didn't say it was three different teams, right? It could just no, all be. They didn't. Could just all be people that are within it's the Mitch, Charlotte Hornets. Michael, and take your pick. 
<laughs> it's 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 three guys from the show. And Rich Cho actually was another organization. Yeah, Rich that's Cho right. No, that's Grizzlies. true. Rich Cho said it. That's why he wanted to get out. Uh, eh, screw it. Let's draft Malik Monk. I'm out anyway. So this article is called the Kimba Walker Free Agency Paradox, and I don't think it's a paradox. I don't think they are damned if they do and damned if they don't. I think that they are certainly damned if they do if they re-sign Kimba Walker to a max contract, and certainly they're like double damned if they sign him to a super max contract. Double damn challenge? Yeah, the super max contract, because you're you're just putting handcuffs on your franchise at that point. And like, what evidence do we have to look back on and say, yes, absolutely commit all of that money because it will lead to future success. Now, you can look back on it with nostalgia, right? You can look back on the time that Kimba Walker's been here and not made enough money and look at it with emotion and say, oh, he, yeah, he deserves that money. The franchise should give him that money. But don't pretend like you're looking at that situation and thinking, oh, yeah, this, this franchise could give him all that money and somehow be able to be more successful than they have been so far. Because think of how you could do that. You, know, you, you look at... What you would be doing if you re-signed Kimba Walker to either the max deal or the super max deal, and the roster, it's just not changing. The way that you could change it is by trading your quote-unquote assets that you have that don't have any value, and you're going to try to get another star to play alongside Kimba to try to take him to the next level. And that would be, you know, I mean, getting to the playoffs one right now is the next level. You know, I, I think... We got to a playoff series. It went seven games. That was three years ago. So now you're looking at what the next level is, just that Kimba hasn't experienced before. That's a playoff series win. Not right now, right now you're back to just trying to get to the playoffs. The next level really to do something that Kimba hasn't done before is get to the second round. And how do you feel good at all about what this team can do as far as not only getting to the playoffs, but winning a damn playoff series? The last time that the Hornets went to the playoffs and threatened to win a first-round series, they had to have several players far overachieve their past performance. And and it's just not going to happen again with the roster as it's currently constructed. And what the danger is, is if you do somehow sign Kimball Walker and promise him, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this to compete, and then you fail to do so, And now you've got a contract on your hands that might be in the same way that John Walls is, very difficult to move, and you've got a very unhappy star in Kimball Walker because he's not going, he's barely tolerated it this season. I mean, you could see his frustration starting to boil over on the court. He's not going to take any more of this. So you spoke to two points from Yaron Weitzman that he includes in his piece. Good, he's smart. Great minds think alike. You mentioned the John Wall deal. (laughs) I should write more. He said, quote, it'd be like the John Wall deal, one front office person said. They should have traded him last year when his value was high. They could have just reset. Couple things. One, I understand trying to go after the postseason with a veteran-laden roster. Kimball Walker, maybe you didn't find enough value that was coming back in return. There's something to be said for just getting something for Kimball Walker besides letting him walk for nothing. I get all of that, but I don't mind them trying to go after a postseason berth with Kimba and not trading him because I didn't hear a ton of value coming back but whatever you also speak not an all-star player and also the john wall deal it it's not that bad because already because john wall's contract i don't think has even started yet i mean i think it was an extent (laughs) it's it is gross 
to look at that John Wall deal. And so when it starts, one, you'll have missed on basically three quarters of a year this past season. And nobody thinks he's going to play next season. So already your first year is empty money. John Wall is a game that relies on explosiveness. And with that ruptured Achilles, on top of already having a couple of injuries happen to that leg, do we think that John Wall's explosiveness returns? No, we've seen DeMarcus Cousins have a little bit of trouble trying to come back. Much bigger body, but the way we've seen John Wall not take care of his body, that's a much bigger body than what it was. And so it's bad, but look, you're right. Chris Paul, older guy, sure. John Wall, older guy, also not the same as Kimba and I, I get how it's a little different because he is going to be out for a one whole year it's going to be empty money immediately but it's another contract that can't look good and even Russell Westbrook they just so happen to be point guards but paying 40 million dollars to somebody this is the supermax eligibility 40 million dollars to somebody with that kind of roster around you right now and and talk about empty money you're probably not changing that roster for at least another year because you just don't have enough to pay anybody else. It's it's really tough for me to validate signing him rather than just giving you the excuse of how much we love him. Which is cool. I love Kimba. We all love Kimba. But if that's my best excuse for you, then I don't think it works. When 36 wins seems like the ceiling and the future seems even murkier, I just think it's a danger to give Kimba Walker wall that money. <laughs> you also spoke to another point. That I mentioned that I didn't get to. Right there. <laughs> you mentioned the competitiveness of Kimba Walker and how you can see how frustrated he gets out there. I think that's something every Hornets fan, even on Hornets Twitter, you see a lot of them admit that Kimba does look frustrated. And let's go to a quote, by the way, from Chris Whitney, who's probably a name I would have gone the rest of my life not remembering had I not came across it in this article. But quote from Chris Whitney. He talked about how Kimball Walker hates losing. And he Who's gives, Chris Whitney? Yeah, yeah, right. Basically, I'm sure a lot of people are asking that. Former NBA player. Uh, I think he's a coach in the G League right now, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. He was with the Hornets okay. franchise. All right, right, there you go. So Chris Whitney mentions playing with Kimball Walker on that rookie year of the Charlotte Bobcats teams that were just awful, right? That was Kimba's rookie year and how he literally broke down in tears after a loss because they just could not win and Kimba was breaking down in tears. And there's a couple of other guys discussing just how much Kimba hates losing. Everybody that makes it to the NBA almost <laughs> hates losing, but apparently it is something a little different with Kimba Walker. And so it's really tough for Kimba to look at this roster. if Unless he just wants to be the Night King and be responsible for that many, Unless he just wants that type of responsibility, then you have to think that you would look at other rosters and find more attractive qualities. Kimball Walker's reading this article going, hey, thanks, Chris. Appreciate <laughs> you for that anecdote. There's no way he wanted people to know that he was crying, right? There's absolutely no way. There are still some stigmas in the in the NBA post. Well, Rudy Gobert got killed for it. Yeah, we're not getting an all. We're not getting an all star. Well, and Adam Morrison famously oh, after God. the NCAA tournament, there are still <laughs> that some was stigmas. Tough to look at. But. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get, look, I get his point. I mean, I get, I look, none of this to me, none of what I've said so far is about Kimba Walker. Like, I appreciate everything that Kimba Walker has done for this. There are going to be people that have trouble separating of that. Of course and they there's are, There's a yeah. ton. There's, there's there, in fact, We've a already ton of heard it on our, or we've already seen it on our Twitter account. People think, oh, they just want Kimba Walker to walk. It's really not that. It's just, I think we, so go back to that first segment. We said, man, can you believe that Marvin Williams has been on this team for five years? 
Can you believe that, uh, what's Cody Zeller's on his eighth, ninth year now? <laughs> Not quite 17th, that. Uh, 42nd year? It's just go. like the core has been together for so long. We This franchise has tried to unravel it, could not do it. Part of that is because they had this, you know, insatiable thirst to get into the playoffs and it it, it caused them to just spin their wheels in the mud. But now it's time to push the car out of the mud to take this franchise in a different direction. And and it starts at the top. One more stat from Cleaning the Glass I thought was interesting. Uh, Yaron writes, quote, in the minutes without him on the floor, Kimba that is, the Hornets played like a 28-win team. And according to Cleaning the, cleaning the Glass with him, they owned a point differential of a 42-win score. By the way, that's an advantage. See, that's an advantage for the Charlotte Hornets because with one push of a button, you can you can become the the tanking bad team that that you you need to be to to try to secure a top three pick. You don't have to do any kind of crazy gymnastics and get rid of a bunch of players. You just let one player walk, and all of a sudden, you put yourself in a position to get a high draft pick. All right, we're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. we got playoff hot takes from Doug Oh, next. my God, stick around. I am fiery. This is Locked on Hornets. You know, Golden State spent almost a minuscule amount of time with zero of their starters out on the floor. They had at least one out there the entire time. Four Hall of Famers. Yeah, they do. And <laughs> you so just you put just them have, anywhere. You just have one out Stack there. Stack them up. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So Doug and I will enter content into our Google Drive that we make for the show, and I put a couple of things from the Marvin Williams evaluation, I put a couple things from the Bleacher Report article, and Doug pretty much just kind of worked with the NBA playoff side of things, that's third segment. So what Doug entered, and I'm just going to let him pretty much have at the mic this third segment because we don't have a ton of time left, and we need enough time for his take. The couple of things that I read for this segment that Doug put in, it's one, the Spurs are just like the rest of us but the real fire comes with the Rockets don't care if they destroy the game of Mm -hmm. basketball Mm -hmm. that's fiery immediately just upon reading it Doug I give the mic to you yeah the Spurs are just like the rest of us right (laughs) just as imperfect as we all are although I feel like I can hear better than LaMarcus Aldridge though the robot Spurs just blanking all of a sudden we've all been there we've all been in the office in a meeting and suddenly they're we're called upon we haven't been listening we've been thinking about whatever (laughs) whatever bar we're going to happy hour whatever is that that, uh, I think tonight is the Bud Light Lime special so (laughs) oh crap there's 10 seconds left oh god (laughs) Pop, is that you yelling at me? Oh, a- Pop, Pop gave up. By the way, like so, you look, you look at their missed shot. They come down the other end of the floor. There's about 27 seconds left, so you have to foul. There is no question. You have to foul. No coach has to tell me that. I don't care if it's Greg Popovich. You don't have to tell me that. You have to foul. Lamarcus Aldridge is just standing at the top of the key, and nobody else just runs up to the ball to foul them themselves. And even if Lamarcus Aldridge can't hear you, you go make it happen. And what's hilarious is. Pop is yelling. He is red-faced on the sideline. And then once it gets to about 
10 seconds. He kind of just throws his hands up and says, I'm done. We just lost the series. He's just as done. He throws his hands up. We're done with about 10 seconds left to go. And you have to give up because you're not coming back after that. Well, listen, he's too old for this bleep now. Like there's some coaches in this league. You're so right about that. There are some coaches in this league and some assistant coaches as well. They would have just walked on the court and fouled the guy themselves. (laughs) Like, forget it. Call it technical. Throw me out of the game. I'm getting a foul call here. We're stopping this clock. Yeah, it was just amazing. Pop just gave like he's like, I gotta go do some team USA stuff. I don't know. This is crazy. Um, but listen, let's talk about the Rockets for a minute. Have you have you been paying attention to what's going Destroying on? Destroying the game of basketball. Ruining it as you know it. They don't care if they destroy the game of basketball to win a championship, they're going to do it. I mean, this James Harden stuff is ridiculous where he's basically complaining, whining after the game that he's not getting these foul calls because these warrior players are landing in his zone, you know, this shoot his shooting zone. The problem is his shooting zone, his jump shot zone is about five feet all around him like it's 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 like one of those like uh, fair catch halos in the NFL this is amazing I mean what the Rockets want they want jump shot practice they want the NBA playoffs to turn into a three-point shooting competition they want it to turn into the all-star skills challenge they don't want any defense and so they're going to exploit whatever rules they think they can exploit they're going to exploit any points of emphasis that they think they can exploit in order to get themselves into the championship game instead of just going out there and saying hey we have the better players we have the better game plan that doesn't involve gaming the referees but we have the better game plan to go out and just beat you and we're gonna beat you no instead they're just whining that they're not getting these calls it's absolutely ridiculous i completely agree as i go pod dad just to take it back a little bit i completely agree with the last shot he's got both feet out in front of him the last couple of threes that i think he took that he whined about not getting the foul call both feet are out in front of him there's no way that they should call that foul i will say this the one thing i will say as pod dad is that you have a couple of those that should have been fouled called Right. I mean, you look at Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they do get up in his business and he doesn't have some room to fall down. And at that point, it does become a health factor because you're talking about we've seen this before. Right. We can go to Kawhi Leonard. That's the most infamous one that we have with Zaza Pachulia putting his feet foot under Kawhi Leonard and he's out for the series. You know, that can really screw up a player. We can go to Kobe Bryant. Remember, he was angry at Dante Jones, and then in the press conference after that game where they got heated, he said it was a dirty play. People, Kobe Bryant put this on the map for us. Like, we didn't know about this. I don't think mainstream basketball knew about this until Kobe Bryant made this a big deal because of what Dante Jones did. And then Kobe Bryant afterwards said, he Jalen Rosed me. And then Jalen Rose, who has the ESPN platform to discuss this with us, he says, what, he absolutely. Allowed to, he allowed you to score 80 points? Absolutely. That's right, 81. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Kobe. <laughs> absolutely. So Jalen Rose tells us that this is what I did. I would put my feet under the jump shooter so I would not allow them to fall down gracefully, to not to not land gracefully. And but so you it don't is a problem. give yourself the benefit of the doubt when you are You're doing this right. leapfrog uh, malarkey. That, that's the only word <laughs> yeah, for it. That's... Absolute malarkey that, that James Harden is trying to pull. And also I'll say this, the game's changed, right? And the Rockets are leading the charge, taking you know sixty-three point attempts per game. All of a sudden, you know the the one or two times that they do get a little too far in on on their closeout, it, it's not a as big of a deal when you're taking sixty-three point shots a game. 
I mean, those closeouts are split second kind of things. I mean, so there's are there are egregious examples, and I, and I think the the league should police those both in terms of calling the foul, but then also you know after the game policing those kind of egregious. I'm trying to hurt you. That's not the situation I, I think that we're seeing uh, in these games. And I think it, it reminds me of a quote from one of my favorite movies, Jurassic Park. Doctor Ian Malcolm, played by uh, the the one and only Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum's great. Says. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. See, the Rockets are trying to manufacture a wrinkle in the rule book. They've already manufactured this giant wrinkle that is, hey, if we take 63-point shots a game, all of a sudden we're giving ourselves a, a better chance to score more points. Now they want to take it even further and say, no, not only do we want to take 63-point shots, we also want 60 free-throw attempts because we're exploiting this point of emphasis, and they don't care if they destroy the entire game of basketball to do so. They're going to get into the championship on their technophality. The Warriors. <laughs> That's <was> pretty good. <laughs> technophality. <laughs> the Warriors Just came up with that right now. They 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 find a way. The Warriors find a way, just like nature does in Jurassic Park. The Warriors, they always find a way, and they were able to do so. Well, I tell you what, uh, the Warriors one. are the T-Rex. They're going to just take them off the toilet. Yeah, they're, they're the one that snaps the old man in half. Why are you running to the porta potty man? Like, that's a bad hiding spot. Just sitting down there. That's a rough way to go. Thanks for listening to Locked on Hornets here on the Locked on <laughs> Podcast Network. Follow us Indeed. on Twitter. Yeah, I just ended it there as well. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. At Locked on Hornets, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, even the Himalaya Podcast app. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Locked on Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Technophality. <laughs>